hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Kevin West. To order or download additional resources, please visit kevinwest.org. Well, we're glad they're here with us today. We're also glad to have a good friend of mine that I've known for uh, quite a while, and we run in the same circles, and we're going to bring him up here in a few moments to, last night at 1230, he got downloaded five words for the church. Five words at 12.30 in the morning. And then he operates in an office in a prophetic sense. So he's gonna minister over some people individually as well uh, towards the end of service. So I want to, uh, we're gonna release him to do his thing here today. What you all don't know is about four and a half years ago, five years ago, I guess it was now, when I was launching out uh, into to the ministry, I had no intentions of starting a church. It just was not gonna be in my plans. We were doing a tenant ministry, the radio ministry was doing well, business was doing well, and I, the last thing I wanted to do was start a church. And, but the problem was we had a, a host of people that were saying, where are we going to have a church? And I just didn't want to do it. And then Mike Day sitting in the back there, and of course, Ken is not with us today. He passed away. But Mike and Ken and Butch looked at us and said, hey, guys, we're going to, because this young, this man right here, Paul, had just had to retire because he had had a liver transplant, and he had just had to step away from the church that they were past, he was pastoring. And Mike said, we're going to just roll in with you guys. And I said, well, we don't have anything to roll into. <laughs> I said, that's the problem right there. And... Uh, we were doing the awakenings and we were doing a lot of services outside of uh, the churches because my goal was to get people back in the body of Christ. We were doing our radio program. We had, we were in like, I don't know how many stations, how many? Seven states, states, 21 stations. We were doing radio and there were little vignettes and 90% of the people that were calling in asking for transcripts of the radio, um, little vignettes that we were doing, 90% of them were God-loving people, but they weren't going to church anywhere disconnected from the body. And how it became a heart of mine going, how do we get people back in to the body of Christ? We gotta get people back in. Not that they were disconnected from other people, they were just not in a local church. And I didn't care if they went to a Lutheran church, a Baptist church, a Pentecostal church, I didn't care. I just wanted them back into a place where they could get connected because I don't know if you all know it, but I have as well as you have, I know I have. I've experienced some church stuff that just isn't God stuff right? And I've had people say this, I had even happened this week, a young lady said, my husband won't come to church, going to any church, because you know, there's hypocrites there. And I said, listen, <laughs> there is hypocrites everywhere. If there's people, there's hypocrites. If there's you, there's a hypocrite. somebody's getting up at 1.30 in the middle of the night eating those Oreos and cookies and preaching against gluttony at church the next morning. That's a hypocrite. All right? Hypocrite dresses the attire, but don't like that person that's sitting next to them because they've been divorced two or three times. You liked the Oreo story better, didn't you? I ate all because it related <laughs> I'm just telling you that the reality of life and the reality of church is we're a bunch of people. We're a bunch of different people. We're a bunch of people that have been broken. We've got histories, we've got pasts, we've got presence, and thank God we got a future, right? But God takes all those things and he pulls them together and somehow calls it his body, calls it his bride. And who am I to pick apart Christ's body? And Christ's bride. 
I was at a prayer meeting one time up in Ripley, West Virginia. And um, I was going through the whole church thing too. There were some people, I just didn't like some things about religion and church and the way things were, a bunch of rules, regulate, all those kind of things. And people were just falling away. So we, uh, this is all about the time I got to know you. And, uh, and I'll finish that story too. And all these people were you know, talking about the church is this, the church is that. And while we were in the middle of this, I heard the Lord say this in my heart. Quit talking about my, uh, my wife. And the guy stands up and he says this word. He goes, well, the Lord just told me to quit talking about his wife. And I thought to myself, that's what he told me too. And I'm glad he told you that. And all of a sudden the, the whole prayer meeting changed because it went from degrading to uplifting. It went from downplaying and tearing down to building and edifying. And that's what the body of Christ is all about. Our goal was to get those 90% in the church. So we started doing awakenings. So I, got, I launched out and here we are. And he called me on the telephone five years ago. And he said these words, as you're transitioning, couch your terms. Watch your framing. Make sure you're framing for where you wanna go. Not from where you were, but where you wanna go. Because it's easy to come out of a past pain and hurt and frame your future based on this past hurt. He said, leave that behind you and couch your terms and frame your future where you wanna go. So we begin to go forward and all of a sudden here come this one, that one, this one, that one. And we rolled in, had our first service down there at Adams Avenue, seated 50 or 60 people probably on a good day. First service, we had 66 people. The next week, we had 76 people. We felt like it was probably time to move <laughs> in the middle of September and October. And then we went on our journey. 12 moves later, 10 locations later, here we are, right? And I always find it an honor when people that were in my life during that transition, I see come back around in my life. And I'm thankful for what the Lord has done and what he's doing in the hearts and lives of people. I've seen messes, I've seen people's lives be just tanked and God completely turn it around. I've seen marriages get put back together that there was absolutely zero way it would have happened with man. I don't care, you could have brought the, the best counselors in and it wouldn't have mattered and God put it back together. I've seen people not get their marriage healed, go through the divorce and they think that's the end of their life. Church walked, back, walked away from them. Elders of churches turned her back and said, well, they can never be used again. God bless their heart. Only to find out that they get thrust into a, a new season of life and a new outlook of life, a new relationship. And they've taken the things they learned from the past and now they're a brand new person in a future relationship and God gives them joy that they've never had before. Yeah. Now, how does he do all of that and fit that in a Bible? I don't know. That's why we're writing and walking this thing out today. God's doing it. We finished the first 90. We've seen her get healed after 15 years. What was the name of that thing? Epstein Barr, 15 years. And God healed her. Prayed right here. Isn't that powerful? And one, she's gonna be speaking at a mid here coming up pretty soon. We're gonna have her give her testimony and tell what the Lord has done for her. I've seen people that have been given up for drug addiction right over there. Look at her powerful testimony. We have countless, on Wednesday night this past week, how many guys that were here? There was 100 people here from addiction recovery probably. How many of them were at the altar 
crying, cleansed, God just touching their life, haven't felt the presence of the Lord in years. This is the next 50. We finished the first 90. Now from Passover to Pentecost is 50 days. 50 days of where God says what he did in the Bible. He showed himself, Jesus showed himself with infallible proofs that he was resurrected. He was alive. He was a well. And because he lives, they can live also. So for 50 or 40 days, he began to show himself, hey guys, this isn't a concept. I didn't come here to bring you religion. I didn't come here to bring you a new way of just doing church. I've already died on the cross. I was buried in a grave and now I've resurrected. And because I've resurrected, I wanna prove to you that I'm alive. And if I prove to you that I'm alive, you now have to live from a paradigm, a perception, a way of life, a lens to look through life that a God that is not dead, but is alive. That forces you to have to change the way you see your outlook of life. If it only is just to get your sins rolled off your back, the cross would have been sufficient. Because the sins were taken on the cross, it took your sins off of you. The, his flesh, the, the, pen, the penalty of sin, and the oracles of the old covenant, the curse of the law was penetrated on that cross. That would have been great. We could have shouted that, man, it's off of us. But the fact that it was just off of us wasn't good enough. He had to get us into something that's brand new. Into the spirit of the kingdom of God that's available for us today. We don't have to wait to get to heaven to experience some of heaven's offerings today. If we have to wait to heaven, then Jesus would have taken us all there with him when he died. But he wanted to get heaven, the centrality of Christ in the earth that the whole world would see. His kingdom is not of this world. It's powerful. Because now we're in a time where this has gotta be put up or shut up. You can't sell this gospel. You can't market it, you can't package it, put it in a good scheme and put some lights, smoke and mirror and a great band and you know. It's real or it's fake. It's authentic or it's artificial. It's drummed up or it speaks for itself. So Jesus told the guys, it's me, I'm alive. I once was dead, but now I'm alive. Why are you standing here gazing, the angel said, looking up to heaven, like some strange thing has taken place? Why are you waiting and looking? I need you to occupy and live life today. You're waiting on something to happen that's already at your fingertips. So I'm challenging all of you. What are you gonna dream about? What's inside of you that's locked up that has to get released? What's inside of you that makes the earth able to see the expression of the heavenly father that's pent up inside of you? That unique essence of God that only you carry. It's essential, it's necessary, it's an absolute 
that the world won't see it, experience it, or feel it unless you release it. But you don't understand. I've got all this stuff inside of me that's been bottled up and I've got problems. I've got financial issues. I've got family issues. I've got relational issues. I've got physical issues. I know all of that. But it's got to come out. Those buts can never replace the expression of Christ in your life. I'm just not ready. I'm just not ready. I, don't, I, just, I feel like I still got to work through some stuff. I got to get through some thing. Yeah, you're ready. Amen. You're ready. Procrastination cannot be a word in the season of life in 2018. Amen. It's just not an option for the church. If it is an option for the church, we'll continue to watch the world shape a generation of young people that'll go into the next generation of young people. And we'll take 80 years trying to turn this thing back around. And God wants this thing turned around today. And guess who's supposed to turn it around today? The church is waiting on Jesus to do something. And God's saying, I've delegated all of my authority to you. So while we're looking for him, he's looking to you. Not with willpower, not with mind over matter, not with humanism, moral relativism, but by the power of the spirit that dwells inside of us. The very essence of God dwells inside of every believer that's born again. And when you have God in you and God is for you, who can dare be against you? Many people are sitting on the sidelines. Those 90% of those women, they were women that were outside of the church. 90% women calling and going, I need a copy of that transcript. They started coming to those awakenings. They'd bring their husband. They'd drag their husband. <laughs> they started coming. We were doing them everywhere, all over the state of West Virginia, Ohio, Kentucky, all over the place. And people were getting excited again. It wasn't something we were doing. We were just recognizing what something that, that God was already doing across the land. He was beginning to mobilize people again to get them to believe in the local church. Where the local church had kind of taken its turn and going a different direction and all the different uprisings and downrisings that have happened, people got their eyes on men and didn't get their eyes on what God was doing. So many people were offended over a course of the 80s, 90s, and the 2000s and walked away. But a generation of young people were grown up and raised with an offended parent or grandparent. And rightfully so. But those days are over. We can't live through a lens of offense. You're living through a lens now of a fresh outlook of life. There is nothing impossible for you that believe. Those awakenings started growing. We start this church. Mike says, we're gonna roll in with you while we start the church. It starts taking off. Things start happening. And what we saw more than anything, what we see today, which is where I believe Marty's gonna come in, is what we see today more than anything is people have something locked up inside of their heart that God has placed where the church traditionally, over the course of whatever reason, time, pulls the 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 pressure down on people to where they have to fit into a mold. People have learned to live under a ceiling of life. And they hit their head, hit their head. And finally they realize, I just need to stay right here and coast. What we've done is we've tried to remove the ceiling 
that a person can live as far as you can see. The same promise that he gave Abraham. Look up, what do you see? See all these stars. Saw the stars first. Count them, I can't count them all. That's all your descendants. I don't have any kids. I'm not talking about how many kids you have, I'm talking about how many stars you can see. If you'll see what I show you, you won't worry about what you don't have. Amen. And then he looked at the ground and saw the sand of the beaches and said, oh, do you, I can't count those either. He showed him the spirit first and then he showed him the practical second. So you have to see it in the spirit and then walk it out in the practical. If you only see it in the spirit and don't walk it out practical, you're a dreamer. If you only see it on the ground and in the earth, but don't ever see it in the spirit, you're gonna trip your way all the way through. But if you see it in the spirit and you realize it didn't stop in the spirit, it has to materialize in the earth, in your life. It has to become practical. It has to become touched, evidenced. At that point, things begin to change. So your healing does take place in the spirit. But unless it comes to pass in your personal life, it's a hope deferred that makes your heart sick. Unless your dream of your business doesn't, and you have to take steps and lean towards those things to see them come to pass. You will take a risk from between the spirit and the practical. And without the risk, there is no reward. Just a what if, what if. maybe so. But God's changed in all of that. It's not in your heart or you wouldn't be here. You're not in this church and keep coming back to this church because we tell you what you're not. You're in this church because we tell you who you are. They could change a law today in this country to stop what, you're, what you do in your life, but there's not one law they could ever change to tell you who you are. Right? They could change your behavior by changing the law, but they'll never change your name by changing the law. And as long as you know who you are, and you see it in the spirit. You take the risk, it'll change. There is a flood of revival that's taking place across the country. I talk to ministers all over the country and all over the world. If you don't think for one minute God isn't doing something, you need to wake up. You have to see it. It's a phenomenon, it's supernatural, it's the Lord's doing, it's marvelous in our eyes. We just are part of a generation and a piece of time that get to take part in what God is doing across the earth. It's a privilege and an honor. I'm humbled. You should be humbled that God has blessed you with such a, an incredible presence of him inside of you to release in the earth and release in life. Your family, your city, your work should never be the same when you walk up on the scene because of who you are and what you carry. Marty, would you come and release those five words? Rex, would you bring up a bottle of water? And I'll be back here in just a moment. This is Marty Gabler from, Te from Texas. He's friends with Jim Hodges. I want you to give him a warm welcome. And when I was in a time when I was trying to figure out what the Lord was doing, I got a call from this man that he got my number from somebody else. I had never spoken to him before in my life. And he called at the right time and gave me direction. Just 
couch your terms. And from that word, that phrase, you're sitting here today. Thank you, Marty. Amen. Before I forget it, just quickly, it's an honor to be here. Thank you, Pastor, for this opportunity. Uh, uh, the name of uh, our ministry, Kathy and I, is Seek Ministries, S-E-E-C, Strengthen, Encourage, Equip, and Comfort. And this is our magazine that comes out every other month. Uh, Apostle Hodges has an article in here every month. And... Uh, some other great writers, and I brought a handful in there on that speaker right there, and you're very welcome to them if you would like to have one. Um, let me just get right to what I believe the Lord has given me for you this morning. Let me start by saying that uh, I'm, I'm sitting at the desk last night in the hotel room, uh, I, as I told Pastor in his office this morning, there are times that uh, the Lord gives me something ahead of time, but most of the time it's when I get here. And uh, sometimes it's really fun and exciting because I get all worked up about something I think I've got, and right in the middle of the worship, the Lord says, nah, that was you. Now let me give you me, you know, so... Uh, that, that, gets, that can be exciting. Um, but the, the, the thing I was hearing actually the day before was Expressions Church is a tide turner. Okay, now I, I have in my notes right there, Marty, take your breath, go ahead and open your bottle of water and get you a drink because people are going to be shouting, jumping up and down. Uh, some might even run up to the front and run up and down, so uh, duck if you have to. I wasted a lot of ink on those notes. I need to be more frugal. I said, Express Church is a tide turner. And, and I realize you're not all that enthusiastic because you're not from the Gulf Coast and you haven't spent any time out in the Gulf of Mexico. But I tell you, folks, when you're out in that Gulf of Mexico, it can change your prayer life in a moment. And a storm and a changing of a tide, if you're not in control of that boat and you don't have your mind on your business, you can end up in the deep blue sea. You're a tide turner. The tide is not working against you. And let me say this, kind of along the lines of what Pastor Kevin was saying, uh, you're part of something here. You're part of something bigger than you are. And if you're an individual man or an individual woman or an individual youth sitting here kind of feeling by yourself or, or feeling like maybe your problems are a, a bit different from everybody else's problems or maybe you're going through something maybe not everybody else is going through, you're not in this by yourself. You are part of a body. You are part of something that is ligamented together. You're part of something bigger than you are in the sense of the body of Christ, and you're part of something bigger than you are in the sense of the plan of God. We sang it a while ago. Thy kingdom come. God is so sneaky. Whenever the disciples... Finally got stirred. They went to Jesus. They saw the results he was getting. They saw the fruit of his life. And they went to him and they said, you know, maybe it's his, it has something to do with his prayer life. Maybe, maybe prayer is key here. 
because he seems to try to get away by himself and, and he seems to be praying during that time period. Why don't we ask him how to pray? And they went to him and they said, Master, teach us how to pray. And this isn't in the regular Bibles that you buy at Walmart. Uh, it's not in that version. But I think it's in the version that I'm going to write. And I'm going to have a little video right there. And it's going to be Jesus going, all right. You know, yes. Father, thank you. We're finally here. And when they said, teach us how to pray, they did not realize it. But they were volunteering for that answer to come through them as an instrument, as a vessel, as a channel into this earth. Thy kingdom come. He said, pray this way, boys. Our Father which is in heaven, hallowed be. Taught them honor, taught them dependency upon God, and said, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. So when we pray that, I just love it. You can get anybody anywhere to pray that prayer, just about. Thy kingdom come. You're setting them up. You're set up when you pray that prayer. Because God is going to bring the kingdom not through angels, not through angelic visitation, not through angels flying low over cities at supersonic sound speed, but he's going to do it through you and I. We're the ones. It says in my notes, when you get right there, you're going to get to take another drink because they're going to start shouting again. And it may be a while because that's such an awesome statement before you get to get back to speaking again. I, I've been wasting a lot of ink. Expression Church, you are a tide turner. And if you are part of this local house, you're submitted here, then you are part of that. Okay, let me get into number one. Word the Lord gave me is that you will ha have experienced 30% growth by 2019. Just take what you are right now, where you are right now, figure what 30% is, and you'll be there by the end of 2019. So time would be wisely spent in adjusting. Now. Boy, when a lady is great with child, the whole world around her changes, not just her body. The whole world around her changes, getting ready for that momentous day. Number two, and I, I advise, I assume this is being recorded, it's being live streamed, so it's being recorded. Uh, it would be good for some folks to pray over these things, and the Bible doesn't say judge the prophet, judge the prophet. It says judge the word. So we need the word to be judged and prayed over. Number two, evangelists, plural, evangelists will be receiving special administrative grace to operate in for the sake of efficiency and expediency. And I'm not talking about evangelists on TV or are part of the Billy Graham Association or something. I'm talking about right here. I'm, I'm talking to the house today, Expressions Church. Uh, Actually, Pastor, that would be a phenomenon as far as I'm concerned. Uh, I work with a number of evangelists, and I, I was telling Pastor about that a little bit in his office this morning, one of them in particular. And uh, evangelists are like, you know, being around 
you know, it's, it's like trying to herd cats. Uh, <laughs> one's going this direction, one's going that direction, one's going up, one's going down, one's going forward, one's going backwards. Uh, they're great people. They're awesome people. But administrators, they are not. But uh, I don't know what to call it, maybe a special dispensation of grace or something the Lord is bringing, and I believe it is related to that 30% growth. I don't believe it's the totality of it, but it's related directly to that 30% growth that evangelists will be receiving a special administrative grace to operate in. They aren't going to be driving the administrators, people who are actually the administrators, aren't going to be driving them crazy. And if you're an administrator, you should really be shouting and running the aisles now if God's going to relieve you from evangelists. Uh, administrators will be able to focus on the increase of and the function of the new departments that will be needed to accommodate growth, counsel, and mentoring. Number three, your children will be more sensitive to the Holy Spirit's moving and working in them. Your whole children's program will receive a divine vitamin shot to boost it. Just real quick, we have a relationship with a church in Monterrey, Mexico, and uh, they have a church plant down on the southernmost tip of Mexico, and they have a great children's ministry. And in the, the mother church there in Monterrey, if they are praying for somebody in a meeting, in a service, the children's church is upstairs. Big area, big children's church, and uh, awesome children's ministers. And if they are praying for someone in the service and they can't get them healed, the pastor calls a halt and says, sends a runner upstairs and says, bring the kids down. Amen. The kids gather around them, lay hands on them, they get them healed and they can go on with the service. Uh, and it is my understanding, if I'm understanding what the pastor was trying to communicate to me, it's my understanding that the church down on the southernmost tip of Mexico, the children are the ones who do the praying for healing. And then the adults just kind of come in to help out when they can or whatever. So I'm telling you, your children are going to be more sensitive to the Holy Spirit. That tells me they're going to be dreaming. Children at our home church in Willis, Texas, Grace International, Kathy and I are on the uh, apostolic elder team there. Uh, we, our children minister words of knowledge to one another, prophesy to one another. Uh, get ready. Get ready. There are going to be some daddies that are just going to absolutely dive into the middle of the kingdom of God because of what they see God doing in their little ones. Number four, where perhaps you have had teams who work with new converts who respond to an invitation to salvation in a meeting, you will need teams who will work with people who are healed slash delivered in services because what they feel happening in their bodies will be so dramatic. What was this? Did, Pastor, did you say Carla or something like that? Just sitting back over here somewhere. Uh, what I heard the Lord say is, is what has not closed up thus far is going to close up. Uh, what has been lacking sluggish is going to come up to full function. Amen. What we are seeing more and more healings all the time. 
I should probably save this in, uh, for some later remarks, but it's just stirring in me right now. Uh, we are, the, Jesus told his disciples, what was it? Is it Luke 10, 19? I think it is something like that. If you read your Bible, you'd know where it was, and I wouldn't be up here guessing for you. Uh, it says in Luke, Jesus told his disciples, he said, there will be a time when you are trampling on serpents and scorpions, and you will have power. Anybody here been to Sunday school? Help me with this. You will have power over power over colds and tennis elbow. Something like that. No, it says you will have power over all the power of the enemy. Okay, one, two, three, four, five. Thank you, Lord, for six amens. Should I stand here and wait for more? It's up to you, Lord. I said over all the power of the enemy, and not just when Pastor Kevin is up here, or when Stephanie's leading, this awesome worship team is, is anointed and flowing. Not just then, but in the Mexican food restaurant. In a taxi, in a hotel, talking over the fence to your neighbor. Let it loose, folks. Pastor said it's inside you. Let it loose. We're seeing people healed everywhere, airports, all over the place. We're seeing people here without praying for them. We're trampling on serpents and scorpions, and we have power over all the power of the enemy. And people that are bound are going to be set free because you're trying to get me to preach now, and I'm, I'm not going to do it. I see what you're, I know what you're doing. We have got power over all the power of the enemy. And we don't have to have prayer, a song, and a Bible reading to see it happen. You're it. Wherever Jesus went, demons started screaming because they were tormented because perfection and liberty were in their presence. What makes you think you're different from Jesus? You can't do nothing without the power of the Holy Spirit. That's the way he did it. I ain't going to, you're still trying to get me preached, but I ain't going to do it. You hurt my feelings, I'll walk out front and call a taxi and leave. You're going to need teams to work with people, especially newer people that are coming in this 30% in the next year, year and a half. Uh, just, you, I don't know, you're going to have to explain it to them or something or just say, it's okay, baby. It's okay, that thing going to be all right. I'm from the south. That's the way we talk down there. They will, uh, in a meeting a while back, church, several hundred people. I'm standing here. I'm ministering words of knowledge, kind of like Stephanie was doing earlier. And, and I'm, I'm ministering words of knowledge. And I said, okay, if, if one of those things applies to you, come up front. And boy, man, the, all of a sudden I opened my eyes and the, the front's just covered with people. And I'd only given like three or four words of knowledge. And, uh, I have had a, about a oh, 18, 19, 20-year relationship with this church, and I'm, you know, there, there's so many people there, and I'm ministering to people, and I'm not really paying attention to who's on the front row or not or whatever, and I didn't notice it, but there's this big football player guy over here on the left. 
Uh, he's probably mid-20s. He's, you know, like 6'4", six, 6'5", six, uh, big old guy, you know. And he's standing over there. I didn't notice him over there. Never saw him. Uh, I'm just, man, there's such an awesome anointing. Like there's been here this morning, the power of the Holy Spirit. And I'm standing there, and, and uh, I'm, I'm starting to minister to people. Just go down the line. Uh, words of knowledge are not for prayer requests or prayer lines. They're for just agreement. God's saying, this is what I'm doing, and God's looking for somebody in the earth, from heaven to earth, remember? God's looking for somebody to agree, and that's all we got to do, just agree. And so I'm going down through there agreeing with people, and man, all of a sudden, I hear this, it's like a roar. It's just, Ugh! and this big old six-foot-five guy over there falls straight down on his knees. He grabs his head, and he's moaning, and he's rocking back and forth, and he's a brand-new Christian. He didn't even know Jesus heals. Go watch some more Christian television and listen to some faith teachers now. I mean, how did the boy have faith? He didn't even know Jesus healed. Nobody had had time to tell him yet. He's a new Christian. The pastor goes over there to find out what's wrong. I mean, he's just rocking back and forth, moaning, groaning, grabbing his head. And the pastor finds out and comes up and says, Marty, I, I think we need to share this. I said, okay, fine. Pastor said, this young man has been here, but this is his second Sunday now, and he just found Jesus about two weeks ago. He didn't even know Jesus heals, and he was in a wreck four years ago. He was riding a motorcycle through an intersection, got T-boned, and he had such trauma on the right side of his head that it blinded his right eye. And he's been blind in that right eye since that wreck. And when Marty gave the word of knowledge that the Lord was healing a right eye, his eye popped open. And he can see perfectly now. And she said, you know, you're going to have to excuse him. He's a new Christian. And uh, this, all this miracle stuff is new to him. And it's overwhelmed him that Jesus would touch him and heal him. Raymond T. Ritchie, who was a revivalist and healing evangelist in the Houston in the, in the 40s, is the reason why my family came into Pentecostalism, was through his ministry and his dad and brother Gerhardt, was um, he would always say, healing is the dinner bell to salvation. Amen. It works. I'm telling you, folks, you can find a thoroughgoing, original American heathen but you lay hands on their baby and heal that baby or heal that wife or pain or cancer disappears out of their body, they're begging you to accept Jesus. They're begging you to baptize them. Hallelujah. It says right there, when you share that testimony, it's going to be over. They're going to pull the rafters down. It's gonna be... I need to be more frugal with my ink. Number five, there's a man who has been scoping out the women in this church, planning his next conquest. The Lord is giving you a season to repent, but it will be a short season because he is ready to expose you. The consequences of the destruction of two families will not be tolerated. And don't pull your family out of this church and run. Repent. Never had a word like that for a church. And then the last one the Lord gave me this morning in the early hours was, 
there are two persons whose inheritance was stolen from you. But the Lord is going to restore those inheritances in full. I heard that. I heard it all the way up here. I heard a yeah, but. You need to get rid of your yeah, buts. Because we're dealing with God here. God can turn things around in a heartbeat. Let, let me just share with you. Um, oh, wow. Uh, let, let me just share with you real quick, uh, maybe one, uh, what I call a remembrance. Some people might call them testimonies, but I'm going to call it a remembrance because the root word of remember is reproduce in the sense of a gestation period and a bringing forth to reproduce. So, uh, and a lot of times, almost every time, when I, I share a remembrance, it happens again because it is being reproduced in the telling of it. Uh, uh, let me just give you real quick, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse uh, 19 uh, verse 9, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9 says, I has not seen, would you say that with me? I has not seen, ear has not heard, neither has entered into the heart of man. Now be a good Berean here. What God has And this next word has an E-D on the end of it that goes with has. The next word is prepared. He's already prepared it. One version says, it, it hasn't entered into the, uh, the, the, the eye of man is not seen, the ear of man is not heard, neither has it entered into his imagination the things God has prepared do a word study sometime in, in the Greek on the word things. It's a tricky word. You know what it means? Really, really means? It means things. Man, you give me the word things. You should have known me as a little boy. Not long after I came out of the womb, I'm tying towels around my neck and jumping out of trees trying to fly. I've got an imagination. Let me show you what kind of imagination I got. I built a hang glider from scratch. Tried flying at one time. My career was over. <laughs> I am not ever featured in Hang Glider magazine. I, I, God gave us imagination for a reason. Eyes not seen, ears not heard. Man, I, I've been in this thing all my life. I thought I had seen some things. My family came into this thing in signs, wonders, and miracles. I thought I'd heard, I'd heard just about every kind of miracle and story and, 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 and awesome thing you could hear. But here lately, God's been doing some really unusual things. Uh, one thing, uh, we're, we're in a conference, a, a dreams and prophecy conference, okay? And uh, I get up in, in one of the services, start ministering some words of knowledge, and there is a pastor that had invited her nephew to that meeting, uh, a dreams and prophecy meeting, and he's an alcoholic. 
I mean, you know, you would think she would invite him to an evangelistic meeting, uh, you know, get acquainted with Jesus meeting, something. But she invites him to a prophecy and dreams conference. And it's in an old theater in this downtown area, a small East Texas town. And uh, he's sitting there next to her, and his wife is sitting next to him. And I had some words of knowledge, and they were all like, uh, you know, physical uh, uh, infirmities, sickness, that type of thing. I never once mentioned addiction, dependency, drug, alcohol, not mentioned any of that. But the pastor contacts me after the conference and says, um, uh, Marty, I know you never mentioned any of that kind of stuff, but uh, my alcoholic nephew was sitting next to me, and right in the middle of your ministry time, there was such an awesome presence of the Holy Spirit and the Lord ministering, she said suddenly he was delivered from alcoholism in a moment's time. And she said, factor is, is that his wife was sitting next to him. He didn't say anything to her. He's just sitting there with his eyes closed, completely delivered, but she knows the moment he was delivered. And now here we are, uh, two months later, he still hasn't touched a drop of alcohol, hasn't had, hasn't had any withdrawals, hasn't had any kind of problems. And nobody can get any kind of credit for Can't put it on the front of my magazine, Pastor. Alcoholic delivered as the man of God was doing his wonderful thing and being his wonderful self. I think it was the week after that. Yeah, it was the week after that. I'm ministering in a church. It's fairly new. Uh, the church was built off of Walmart parking lot. Uh, the, the pastors go out to a corner of Walmart parking lot, get permission. They set up tables, set up food, clothing, stuff like West Houston. And a real high, densely populated area of town. And uh, go out there and set up. And, and, you know, people start, they start playing music. They're awesome musicians. Start playing music. And people start coming around or gathering around, you know, and they start inviting them, come on over, you know, take whatever food you need, whatever clothes you need, got backpacks for the kids, uh, tennis shoes, stuff like that, you know. And, and while they're singing, they're singing Jesus songs, you know, and the pastor's an evangelist. And he'll walk up to the mic and he'll just, you know, kind of share a little something about Jesus and give a call and people get saved right out there in Walmart parking lot. God can use Walmart. And, uh, and, and so... I, I, we went to their church about six months ago and ministered, and uh, then the pastor and his wife do marriage seminars, awesome marriage seminars, so they were in Florida doing a marriage seminar and said, would you come and preach for us in our, our service and minister while I'm gone? I said, great, the church is two years old, and uh, I, I went that Sunday morning, and I'm ministering, and uh, at the end of the message, I gave an altar call, and, and when I gave the altar call... Um, some people came down, a bunch of people came down, and I'm going down through there laying hands on them, prophesying to them, ministering to them and everything. And then after I get through ministering and prophesying and everything, then a line starts forming over here down this aisle. I, it, they were already dismissed, and I was already worn out, and I was already sweated down, and I was already about to pass out. And uh, they start lining up, you know, different people. And people are bringing their children down and asking them to be prayed for. And so I'm praying for these children, all this kind of stuff. And then this woman walks up with a 16-year-old boy, and she says, would you please pray for my son? 
And he's just kind of looking at me like, uh, I know this is Earth, but if I was on Mars, I'd be a lot happier. Uh, you know, that, that type of thing. He just kind of, it's, it's not belligerent or anything, but it's just, you know, he's, he's really not committed <laughs> in this thing. And so I just reached over and put my hand on his shoulder, started praying for him. The Lord gave me a prophetic word for him. I prophesied over him. And he's just standing there looking at me. And she's, his mom was standing there bawling, squalling, you know. And so the pastor contacts me uh, like a week and a half later. And he says, Marty, you would not believe what happened that Sunday. He said, that lady that brought her 16-year-old son up, she said, his dad abandoned them about a year ago. I mean, just walked away, abandoned him and his mother there in that big city of Houston all by themselves. They didn't know what they were going to do. They're part of our church. We've helped them as much as we could. We, we, we've gathered around them, supported them. But he said the boy is so angry and so rebellious because his dad abandoned him. You can imagine, 16-year-old kid, his dad decides, I don't want you. I don't want anything to do with you. Uh, some of you may have experienced that. I mean, the kid is angry. So his mother uses his allowance to bribe him to go to church with her. But she can't get him out of the car. So for one year, he has been sitting in that car. And man, when you get hot weather in Houston, it's humid. He sat in that car through hot weather, through cold weather, and played games on his phone and texted on his phone. The pastor is a real personable guy, great guy, great with young people, great with all age people, just a great guy, awesome man of God. He went out to the car, tried to talk to the kid on several occasions. The kids ignored him. The kid acted like he wasn't even speaking to him. But that Sunday morning, his mother invited him to come in. And he said, okay. So he came in the service. He's in the whole service. At the end of the service, she sees people bringing children up to be prayed for, and she asked him, she said, would it be all right if you and I go up there and let this man pray for you? Excuse me. And uh, he said, okay. She brings him up there. Of course, they're total strangers to me. I don't, I don't know them. I've never laid eyes on them before. And so, you know, you know, when I'm ministering, how many know that your God is redemptive? He's a redeemer. Uh, I'm sorry, Pastor, but I just feel like, uh, you know, I, I'm aware of what we're doing here, but I just feel like I should share this and get this out. It's a remembrance. It's going to happen again. He said, you have no idea but that boy has been so angry. He told me the story how he ignored him, refused to communicate anything, refused to let him reach out to him, anybody. He was just completely closed down. He said, when you prayed for him and prophesied to him that morning, he said he was instantly delivered of all of that anger. It all left him in a moment's time. He said, I don't know what you said to him. He said, I don't know what you did. But he said, that boy has been different from that moment. He walked out of that building totally different. That's not the end of the story. The following Sunday, the pastors were back from Florida. They, have, they get there early, and they, uh, they're sharing a building with another church right now and that type of thing. They're in the middle of In fact, they're preparing a situation very similar to this one. 
uh, to move into very soon. And so they had to get there early to, to prepare and everything. And while they're there setting up preparing, this boy walks in. He walked in. He walked up to the pastor and grabbed him and hugged him. He said, I am so sorry. His mother didn't coach him. His mother didn't say, this is what you're going to do, boy. God's real. This is what you're going to do. You think you really say this is what you're going to do. She didn't say anything to the boy. The boy said, Mom, I want to get there early. She said, okay. He hadn't even wanted to go before. He walks in, grabs the pastor. Pastor's big. Uh, he was a professional soccer player, big old guy. Grabs him and hugs him. And he says, I am so sorry. I treated you the way I did, and I was disrespectful to you, and I'm sorry for that. And he looks up at him, and he says, little guy about this tall, big old ball player, athletic pastor, he looks up at him, and he says, I need you to be my father. Only God can do that. And God's still doing it. He's doing it. And he said, you know what? The pastor said, what? I'll be your father. He said, what? He said, you need people to help you around this church. I want to do anything you want me to do. Just tell me to do it, I'll do it. One Sunday, I don't want anything to do with God, don't want anything to do with church, don't want anything to do with my mother, I don't want anything to do with a preacher. Next Sunday, he's volunteering to do anything that needs to be done. Thank you, Father. And, and I told you those two remembrances to say, 1 Corinthians 2, 9 says, I has not seen, ear has not heard. I did not go into that conference saying, God, it would be really neat if you would suddenly in a moment's time deliver an alcoholic in this meeting. Oh, I just can't wait to see that. That was, didn't cross my mind for a moment I didn't go into that next church that next Sunday saying, God, oh, it would really be neat. Oh, God, if a 16-year-old rebellious, angry teenager would suddenly be turned around in a moment's time because of the touch of your word on their life. But I got to see it, Pastor. My eyes had never seen that. I've never seen a rebellious 16-year-old turn around in a moment's time, but I got to see it. Uh, and there's nothing you are, nothing you've been, nothing you're dealing with. That God cannot turn around. Sata
Let's give the Holy Spirit a moment to work right here. Holy Spirit, you're welcome. We're not asking you to show up and be a Chinese Holy Spirit or to be a Texas Holy Spirit or be a Russian Holy Spirit. We want you to be Holy Spirit. Be who you are. Do what you do. I believe there are people in this room this morning who need to see what you're talking about really. I'm not talking about kind of, sort of, or wouldn't it be neat if that's not what I'm talking about. Let me put it this way. You've got to see what your eye has never seen. You have got to hear what you've never heard. You remember my emphasis when I, I was talking about 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9? It says he has prepared. It's a done deal, folks. It's a done deal. And God wants to release it. He has prepared for those who love him. There might be somebody here this morning, you've never really loved Jesus. You never really loved the Lord. But you need to make that decision. Is there somebody like that? You want to just come forward? I'm not going to ask you to take the mic or anything, but, uh, you know, hey, Marty, uh, one thing I need to do, get taken care of right now is I've never really lived like I have a Lord. Or I haven't been living lately like I have a Lord. Somebody need to take care of that first? Just come forward. I'll give you an invitation now. Why don't you just go ahead and come forward? I just want to lay my hand on your shoulder and say, I agree, Lord. It's done. It's done. I believe somebody needs to move out. Just move out from your seat. You're, you're in a safe environment here, a friendly environment. No, you're not. Let me put it this way. You're in a loving environment. People of God love you. This is a loving house. Somebody want to do that right now? Okay, I believe there's somebody doing it in their heart right now. Go ahead and get that taken care of. Now, I believe there are some people that need to... I, I, I like to call it a prophetic act. You know, a prophetic act is a display of something that's going on in the spirit realm. It's something that's going on inside. It's something going on in the heart. But it's like an outward display, an act. And with that prophetic act of stepping out from where you are and coming to the front, you are saying, I am stepping away from the issue I'm stepping away from the problem and its rule in my life see that's what the kingdom of God is about its rule the rule of God and I'm going to step into the rule of God in this thing I have got to see what I've never seen I've got to hear what I've never heard I've got to be able to conceive in my heart and in my mind and imagination that which God is answering my issue with. If you want to make, do that prophetic act and step out this morning, would you do that now? 
if you would just kind of line up shoulder to shoulder across the front here, I want to agree with you that you will begin seeing what you've never seen, hearing what you've never heard, conceiving with your heart and your mind and your imagination what you have never conceived of before that God has prepared for you. See, when you step out in that prophetic act and agreement, God's not going to start preparing it. He's not going to start working on something. He's just going to release what he's already prepared. And you know what God's released is complete? I mean, what he's prepared is complete, and he wants to release the complete work. Anybody else want to join these who have already come? Just, it's a prophetic act. Marty, I'm stepping away from that thing. I'm stepping away from that bondage. It might be some kind of bondage, some kind of captivity. I don't know. But just step away from that thing. Ephesians 3.10 says that we are witnessing the powers and principalities of the multi-layered wisdom of God. Every time Jesus delivered somebody, released somebody, it was, there was an act involved in it somehow. Faith is not a noun, I don't believe. I think it's more properly termed a verb. And I declare to you that before weeks end, you are going to see what you've never seen. You're going to hear what you've never heard. Lord, I ask you to give these, these awesome men and women, I ask you to give them dreams while they're sleeping. My father-in-law was an alcoholic. He grew up in an Assemblies of God church. But he was an alcoholic. Rarely ever darkened the door of a church. Tough businessman. Tough guy to deal with. Rough, tough and tumble sort of a guy. Our shop had, it was basically a paint and body shop, but we did mechanic, we did all kinds of different specialty things that we had going, contracts. And he would wrestle with something. He wouldn't just let one of the guys or one of the departments handle it. He would get in there and he'd wrestle with a problem. We had a problem. And, and he would go to bed at night and he the solution. I mean, I'm not talking about a Bible-thumping tongue talker. Business people, he'd come in there and fill them up with beer and liquor and do business with them and talk them into this contract and that contract and out of a contract, you know, all this kind of stuff. But he'd talk to them about God. He'd tell them, well, you need the good Lord. You need the man upstairs. That's what you need. And he'd say, Marty, come over here. <laughs> but he would drink. I'm telling you, you can have dreams to see what you've never seen, to hear what you've never heard. God can give you an impression in your spirit, in your inner being. I declare resolve of unsolved issues. And when somebody like me says something like that, you know what the best thing to do is? Say, I receive it. I 
receive it. I receive it. Thank you, Father. Would those of you in the congregation stretch your hands this way? Thank you, Father. You, you know what? Let's do this. Why don't you just open your eyes and look up here at the back of the heads of these that are standing here that have come forward to the call. I believe they responded by faith. I believe the word pricked their heart. And I believe they're responding to the word by faith. Just, just look up here and let the Lord show you an individual to get into agreement with. I don't know. Maybe, maybe someone will stand out to you like bold print on a page. That happens to me a lot. And just get into agreement with them that they're going to see what they've not seen or what they've not heard. They're going to receive into their heart and mind and imagination what God has, what God's working, what He's doing. I declare to you, you're going to see it, hear it, imagine it, so you can get into cooperation with it. I don't know, if you come from a background like where I come from, real religious background, I came out of it with the inference that my prayer was supposed to be what I have imagined and what my preference is that God do and pray that thing and bind God into doing what I'm demanding of Him to do. Hey, how about this? How about let's release God to do what we can't even imagine? I never imagined God would deliver an angry 16-year-old in a moment. I never imagined that He would deliver an alcoholic without even somebody casting out alcoholic demons and all this other kind of thing. It happened. God is great. God is good. He's doing it. He's doing it. He's doing it. Okay, let's go ahead and start agreeing with these that are up here. Have you got the person picked out you feel like the Lord wants you to agree with? Now let the Lord just touch your heart with the way you're supposed to agree with them or the prayer you're supposed to pray over them. And go ahead and begin to release that. Thank you, Father. She's yours. You've prepared for her. You have laid up for her things that she's never seen, she's never heard. You are the awesome God of variety. Mm. You have so many ways to move. And you're moving for her right now. Outside of this building, outside of this meeting, you're moving in her behalf. Thank you, Father. Blessed is the name of Jesus. It's like I can see you carrying uh, two buckets, you know, and they're just, they're laden down. They're full. They're just, it, it's, I mean, you know, the, there's the pressure on the shoulders and the, uh, the pressure on the back and the, the aching and everything. You've just been carrying that double-fisted burden so long. And it's like, you know, just a big old strong somebody, you know, like Jesus walks up and the moment he touches those buckets, there's immediate relief in the shoulders. And he just takes those buckets. 
He's taking the issue. He's taking the burden. He's taking the buckets. He's your burden bearer. Thank you, Jesus. Tom Sykostas. All you've got to do is be a receiver. Receive. Receive. Thank you, Jesus. Here she is, Lord. Your daughter. She receives that which you have prepared. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Wow, I just, I just saw this, the greatest thing. I saw you kind of like, I don't know if you were ever in a, like a high school gym and they got that big old climbing rope attached to the beam up there and everything. I just saw you walk up to that thing and hand over hand, you just zipped right up that thing like a Navy SEAL. Mm. You're going to find yourself doing what you've never done before, speaking what you've never spoken before just zipping right up that thing that seems so impossible as far as logistics and physical matters are concerned because the Lord is your strength. There's a physical barrier you're getting ready to overcome. Just as simple and easy as climbing that rope for a Navy SEAL. Receive, receive. Thank you, Father, for these eyes open to see what he's never seen. For his ears open to hear what he's never heard. You folks in the congregation can be seated. I, Marty, I'm, before you go to the next prayer, I'm going to go ahead and dismiss everybody. Is that okay? And then the ones that need prayer, they can come forward. And the ones that are up here, you remain, and he can pray for you. But I, rather than you guys stay kind of held there, let's go ahead and pray and release you. Father, in Jesus' name, I thank you, Lord, for the word that's been spoken here today. Lord, we take heart that the, uh, the points that were given to us, God, those, those five distinct um, mandates that were given to our church and spoken over our church, we receive those. Father, we're excited about what you're doing in the future. We, we know, God, that you're blessing the people. Things are different today. You said, God, that you would open up our eyes to see things that we've never seen and ears we haven't, and, and be able to hear things we've never heard before. But Lord, I'm just thankful. I'm thankful for the people that are here. I'm thankful, God, that you're doing active work in their life. You're taking them from a place to a place. So Lord, would you just continue to do what you're doing? Even this week, open up our eyes to see and our ears to hear and allow us to walk in revelation and knowledge of who you are and an understanding well beyond any past experience we've ever had, but line up with the heart that are desires in our heart that's gonna take us into that place that you have prepared for us. I bless them as they walk out these doors today and let this be a joyful, creative, wonderful experience this week that will let them see the goodness of God knowing what you're doing in their life is so incredible. It's the Lord's doing, and it'll be marvelous in our eyes. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you all.